Hey everyone, and welcome back to Rootless Living Podcast and episode number 22. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. On this episode, I chat with Ari and Jesse, the duo behind Trekkers.org, and they were also the couple that wrote about their experience visiting all 103 state parks in their home state of Michigan in our issue number two of the Rootless Living magazine. Now look, if you haven't had an opportunity to read that feature story yet, you can head over to rootlessliving.com, get instant access to issue number two, and read their story. But actually, you know what? Hang out here and let's hear it from them. Let's get into the episode. Ari and Jesse, welcome to the show. How are you guys? We're doing great. Thanks for having us on. I'm excited to have you guys on. You guys are a big part of our issue number two. We'll definitely get into kind of your your role in that. But first, what I'd like to do is, you know, with you guys being what you're considering part-time and someone that said we really kind of took off where kind of this this lifestyle really became really integrated with our life in the beginning of 2019. I want to go back a little bit before that and just uh, talk about your life, like where you were living, where you were working and uh, how you guys were able to kind of hit the road and why you wanted to hit the road. We both have a background um, in public relations. I actually have a a further background in journalism, but we've been in public relations for years, uh, working in state government quite a bit and working in the private sector. Um, And so we started um, looking at using uh, the road track, our class B, to start getting away from things uh, on the weekends or long weekends if we could, or we're traveling for vacations a little bit. Um, and then we really sort of fell in love with the lifestyle and the idea of, um, you know, being out more. And I think I, for me personally, it was every time we came home, it was a little harder for me. <laughs> I'm like, I really want to just go to the next destination. I don't necessarily want to come back home and go into the office to work. But also for us too, I mean, we'd been camping for pretty much all of our relationship and for both of us prior to that, before we even met. So being out in the woods and nature, and we'd gone through a series of different campers and tents before we got our road trek. So this wasn't a new lifestyle for us by any means. It was more just how do we want to do it for a longer period of time, not just the weekends where we were driving up to Northern Michigan. So I think that was a little bit of the catalyst of just seeing all these other people out there and going, oh, well, there's no reason we shouldn't be doing this too. Now, did you guys uh, own a home or you're renting a home and you obviously still have that? It's just you guys are just are in between the home and the and the van, basically? Yeah, we own a house in Michigan. Um, it's something that we've looked at selling anyway. The kids have moved out. We're ready to, you know, go to something smaller. And then um, it was sort of a, we, I've been working um, remote for about a year now. And we had been looking at trying to get Jesse some kind of remote job and then said, hey, if you get a remote job, maybe we could go on the road more. And we sort of put off some decisions. And then as of January now, Jesse's working remote. So all of a sudden it was like, hmm, now we need to make some decisions about what we're going to do. But yeah, we live in, we live in sort of the middle of Michigan and it's a good place. We've worked for state government most of our lives. And so we've had that home base and we had kids, but you know, like Ari said that they're out and doing their own thing now. So what's next for us? Um, what does that look like? And now we have to make some decisions. Do we sell the house completely? Do we sell the house and get a smaller house? Do we get an apartment? Do we put stuff in storage for a little while and travel and then come back? Just a lot of decisions to be made. And I think, you know, we've talked to a lot of people and there's a lot of people having to make those same choices. And some of it depends on where you live and what your situation is. Are you living in a place where it's super expensive and so selling is a good thing? Or are you living in a vacation touristy area? Um, for us, there's not that much where we live. It's, it's state government. There's a couple of big universities, but it's not a super high profile tourist destination. So something like an Airbnb option, 
you know, might work, but might not long-term. So there's just a lot of decisions we're having to kind of sort through and figure out what do we want to do next and, and what's best for us? How much do we want to be back to see our families and holidays, birthdays, those kinds of things. So just a lot of decisions, but you know, the more we're out on the road, the more we're like, we don't really want to go back, back to that house too often. We want to go see all the sites that there are to see. Yeah. I always wonder about people that kind of start off in the the 50-50 um, because uh, even when I talk to people that, let's say, are RVing just purely for recreational on the weekends, I've heard that there's this like, you know, there's all this prep time to move stuff from the house into the rig, and then you're gone on vacation, and then you obviously have this time when you get back, putting stuff back out of the rig, back into the home, which can be kind of exhausting. And even when I hear from people that are like, you know, you should rent and test out your different rigs, I'm always like, that's more about the rig, not necessarily the lifestyle, because the idea of packing and unpacking is a little different when you're living at full time. And it's a little different probably when you're living at part time. And I've always wanted to know, are you guys set up where it's more when you go home, kind of there's very few things that need to come out of the rig or are you guys moving out and moving back into the home type stuff? We've tried to duplicate things in the rig that we know we're going to use all the time, but they're, you know, kitchen utensils and that kind of thing. But, but there's still always, you know, what clothes are we going to take? And it depends on what kind of trip we're having, right? What time of year it is and what we're going to be doing on that trip. Um, so yeah, that's one of my complaints always, and Jesse hears this all the time, <laughs> is you know loading and unloading the van because I tend to do that because I'm better at packing a lot of things into a small space than she is. <laughs> so that kind of has become my job, and it gets really obnoxious after a while. I think for me, one of the biggest things is things like our pantry, where we keep food in there, but in the winter, we have to bring it back into the house. Or if it's super hot in the summer, we have to bring it back in the house because it's not good to have the huge temperature swings. So while we've done a good job of trying to keep stuff in and out, we are constantly having to bring things back into the house. And then we've gone on a couple trips where we're like, oh crap, we forgot the peanut butter because we had hauled it back in when we normally keep it inside. And so it is sort of a challenge sometimes remembering what you had. We keep pretty good lists so that we can keep track of things, um, but depends on the trip too. So, okay, do we need the kayak? Do we need the snowshoes? Probably not on the same trip usually. So we do have to kind of keep in mind what we're doing and where we're going especially the clothes, toiletries, any of the perishable stuff. That's what comes in and out all the time. But you raise a really good point about how different it is like a part-time versus full-time because I've lost track of the number of times I have been working on the van and getting stuff in and out of the house. And I told Jesse, I'm like, no, if we just went full-time, this wouldn't have to happen. <laughs> we would just be done and going somewhere right now. Yeah. And I also, I mean, like I've interviewed some people that, you know, it's one of those things you're just not really thinking about. They live in a large fifth wheel, but they're still, they're, they need to be in their area Monday through Friday. But it just makes the transition from Friday at five o'clock to hitting the road to spend a weekend out to then coming back so much easier because there isn't a lot of that. I also just want to add a little side note because the show is called Rootless and so is the magazine that I think sometimes people think you can't still have a home base. And that's absolutely not true. It's just about finding kind of the fluid life that works for you. Home bases are really smart. I mean, don't get me wrong. No one really has to be on the road 365 days a year. I think, you know, to go back and, you know, kind of hang out and figure things out and maybe work on the rig a little is really smart. If you guys did go full-time, would you stay in the van or would you look for something larger? That's a fascinating question. We get that all the time. Um, and we've asked ourselves that a number of times too. Our van, we absolutely love. And, and it's like, I think we'd hate to give it up because it's the perfect size for us and the cat. It fits in a regular parking spot. We have been able to park it in all sorts of places that you would never get a motorhome or even a class C or a travel trailer by any means, uh, you know, a, a downtown parking meter spot in the middle of Oklahoma City. 
uh, heart hospital ramp when a relative was in, you know, was in the hospital. And just many places that we, you, we wouldn't fit any other rig and we'd hate to give up that flexibility. Uh, but we also, you know, it would be nice to have some uh, more space sometimes, not for us, or I mean, for us, but also for our stuff, for the cat, just to spread out a little bit. I mean, on a rainy day, we always like to say we don't live in our van, we live out of our van. But because we're both working full time, um, we do need that space to set up a computer and be on conference calls at the same time. So I don't know. We don't know what we're going to do full time. We're not really thinking right that because everybody has always given us the advice, you know, you go with what you've got. Like, don't wait till the perfect moment. Like, if you've got something, just go for it and, and it'll work itself out. And so that's kind of the mindset that we're in right now. You just never know what's going to happen day to day. There's always changes in, in life and situations. And so uh, we're taking full advantage of what we have right now to be out there exploring new things. I think, too, this is one of the reasons I get, I wouldn't say triggered, but definitely heated when I hear people asking a question, should I get a class A or should I get a fifth wheel? And it's not that they ask the question, it's that people answer it. <laughs> and, they, and they answer it based on kind of what they've done without explaining why. Your explanation of why a class B van works for you makes so much sense. And so it's really more about understanding what someone's lifestyle they want it to be like. Um, I am someone that's avoiding big cities. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've lived in big cities my entire life. So I'm okay with big open spaces. But if I was someone, just like yourself, you're talking about, where you want to get into some of these cities, it's so much easier when the rig is of a, of a certain size, maybe under 30 feet, and then obviously even so much easier when it gets down to a van size. I would say we like to get away, you know, being in public relations, if we can get away from people, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big deal to us. Um, so we will often take the van off on like two-track roads in northern Michigan, and that's nice being, having that flexibility to do that. Um, we really kind of focus on um, getting out and, and doing nature hikes and biking and camping and, and getting out into the woods more. What we tend to find though is along the way we'll spot like um, on the way um, from Michigan down to Florida uh, earlier this month, you know, we passed by Savannah, Georgia and I realized Jesse would never been there. And we're like, okay, let's jump off and go see it. Um, and we were able to do that really easily with the van. You raise a really good point though too about people that ask, you know, well, what's the best rig? Well, it completely depends on you and your lifestyle. Uh, it depends on the relationship you have with your partner um, or if you're traveling by yourself. Um, and, and I've always said there is no such thing as the perfect rig. You know, you're going to have maybe almost everything is great and exactly what you want, but there will always be something you'll second guess and say, oh, I wish this was a little bit different. I 100% agree with that. I mean, we sort of joke about, you know, the space and having to dance in the aisle and you know, you can either be in the kitchen or you can be in the bathroom, but you can't be in both at the same time because they essentially take the same space. Um, and so, you know, you get in a fifth wheel and, and any of those, then you have very designated spaces. Um, but those people will also tell you that, you know, they would love to go to the places we go. And, you know, we can camp in people's driveways uh, overnight sometimes because we can fit just like any other suburban or, you know, full-size truck can. And yeah, we do enjoy nature. I think that's kind of what got us started on this whole thing in the first place is we were spending every weekend driving, like I said earlier, into northern Michigan and, and camping in the woods. Our preferred way of camping is really essentially to get out and see things, whether that's going for hiking or going to see waterfalls, lighthouses, mountains, you name it. Uh, so kind of as I already said, the cities are just a nice bonus when we're driving by someplace. And we love state capitals. I mean, we've worked in state government most of our life. And so one of our bucket list items is to check off all 50 state capitals. And having that the van is perfect for that because it means we can just pull up in the visitor center lot and, and go in and check those places out. So 
you know, to each his own for everybody. I know, I mean, some people have a, a towed vehicle that they can get around with and we don't have that luxury, but at the same time, we have our bathroom everywhere we go. And so we take those pros over the cons any day. Yeah, and I think you guys brought up two really good points that, again, as a, a fifth wheeler, maybe I wouldn't say out loud, is that I don't have the flexibility to say, hey, let's get off here and go adventure because we have to literally find a place to be able to disconnect first. And the idea that, yes, you are very true that there are times I've been on hikes and adventures and there are people that are out there with vehicles that can get out there. And I'm like, oh, man, it'd be so great if we could get the rig out here. So you bring up some really kind of cool points in the understanding of what works for you. But also, I always like to say, if you had twin brothers and twin sisters that married, you know, another twin that had kids all the same, those people would still, even though they could be 100% perfectly aligned, they could end up with different rigs. And that's what's so interesting about this lifestyle. There isn't really the, the perfect rig, like you said, Ari, that it's really about just getting out there and testing it. Now, I did like that you mentioned the 50 state thing, but you also guys what I really am excited about is, you know, I'm originally from California. I have probably seen maybe 20% of California when I lived there for almost 40 years. And I think a lot of people kind of just don't realize how much they have in their own backyard. And you guys did something really cool in Michigan. And I want to talk about that. So what was kind of your guys' like, you know what, let's get out and do this. What was your objective? And what did you guys accomplish in Michigan? I sort of stumbled upon the idea one day when I found out that 2019 was the centennial of the Michigan State Park system. So they were celebrating the 100 years. And they were going to have a big thing going on all year with promotions and stuff. And, you know, I, I talked to Jess and I came home one day and I said, what if we did something to, to kind of get our YouTube channel going and a little bit more with our blog on the website and that kind of thing? What if we visited the state parks, like all of them, and, and did something about them? And, and as crazy as it sounded, um, she jumped on board anyway. And so we decided to, to go do that. And we hit all 103 state parks in, I think we did in 10 months, right? So it was a challenge. It was a lot of fun. I think when we first started the project, I mean, this was probably mid 2018 when we had this crazy idea to do this. And I had been looking for remote jobs. And so I think we thought, oh, no sweat. I'll have a remote job. We'll, you know, we'll spend a whole year traveling Michigan. This will be awesome. And I didn't, get, I didn't get a remote job. So I spent all of 2019 in my full time go to do a desk job job. And we traveled on weekends. We I did take a few days off, a couple of weeks here and there uh, to do the project. But we mostly fit it in when we could and how we could. I don't recommend that for everybody. We always tell everybody now, yes, please go visit all the state parks. They're fantastic. They're amazing. There's so many things that you've never seen. Um, please make that a you know, thing to do, but, but please don't visit them all in one year. That's a little crazy. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of gas, a lot of driving, but it's a lot of fun. And, and we are huge proponents of what's in your backyard. Like get out, you know, be a tourist in your own town because like you said, you, you know, 20% of California, I mean, I know California is huge. It's Michigan's huge too. When you consider the upper peninsula and how far it takes you to drive from one corner to the other of our state. And before we had started the project, we would have told you we'd probably actually seen most of the state parks and come to find out we had barely scratched the surface. I mean, I think we, we realized we'd, we'd only seen a handful of the state parks that we thought we had. And so we discovered some really cool gems, some places that we'd never heard of, some places we are definitely putting on our list to go back to because there's just so much out there. And we had a lot of fun. We, we got to meet a lot of people in the parks from rangers to camp hosts, to families who um, their, in one case, their dad had been a park superintendent. And so they had lived and grown, grown up in the state park system. And so we get to hear all their stories of 
what that was like. And so we just had a super fun year being able to get out and, and see what was in our own state. And that's what we just encourage people to do because even if you are like a weekender or part-timer like us, there's no, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't be out exploring. No, I agree. And I think, you know, there's just some good nuggets here, especially getting back to the, you know, do with what you have. I mean, you guys obviously were what I really refer to as camping. You know, I, I don't refer to what I, my TV goes up and down behind my fireplace. This isn't camping. You know what I mean? Like if you have a 60 inch plasma with me, you, you're not camping. You guys definitely were. And even kind of the, the, the van life, you know, it still to me is very much camping because you just don't have everything that you would have in a home. But I think people will really put limits on themselves where they say to themselves, you know, I really don't like tenting. I don't like camping. But doing it in a vehicle really changes the whole mindset of it. It does make it a lot more comfortable and a lot easier for people. So I definitely like hearing, you know, again, start with what you have. Even if you have to start small, it's really worth it. The backyard stuff to me is really interesting um, just because I remember doing like a Boston city tour when I had to wait for an airplane flight. And I remember thinking, I've never done any of the touristy tours in Los Angeles. Why haven't I? Because this Boston one was really cool. I learned so much that I didn't know. And there's like this fear of like, we don't want to look touristy in our state, which is funny to me. Like it's almost, so maybe it's a California thing where it's like, that's where tourists go. We're not going to go check out that. And I really like that you guys did this, where you made this a goal to get through all the state parks in your area. And obviously I've been to Michigan, really the Southern part of Michigan. And so many people have told me, oh, Damien, you got to go back. You got to go up north. You got to really experience it. And so that's what I'd like to talk about a little right now is for people that have never been, what are maybe like the two or three just like really hot spots that people need to do? I think a big thing that people don't understand about Michigan is, is that it really is almost three states when you think about how it's set up. I mean, you have Southern Michigan um, and you have the two largest cities are down there. So you got Grand Rapids on the west and you've got Detroit on the east. You have the major metropolitan area around Detroit. Uh, on the west side in Grand Rapids, you have all the beautiful Lake Michigan beaches and things that people are used to seeing in the, in the brochures and that kind of thing. But then if you go to northern lower Michigan, it's a lot of, of woods and rural areas and, and things you can, you can kind of just get out and enjoy. There's some national forests there. And then when you go to the upper peninsula, I mean, it is almost its own it's state. They've talked about seceding over the years. <laughs> I don't know how they would survive, but, um, you know, they are a completely different um, terrain. The geology is really different up there. It's just a different lifestyle in a lot of ways. I think that's what people misunderstand about Michigan. And walking around campgrounds, sometimes when you see people with the state maps on the side of their rig, where it shows where all they have been, nine times out of 10, Michigan is missing from their maps because they consider it, it's, it's not really a destination state. It's not, a, I mean, it is a destination state, it's not a pass-through state. You don't go through it on the way to any place else. You have to make it sort of a, a destination. And so people tend to skip it. And then once they do get there, they go, oh my gosh, why didn't I come here years ago? You know, Pure Michigan, if you've seen any of their commercials ever, I mean, they do a really good job of saying, here's the beaches, here's the golf courses, here's the ski resorts. But there's so much more to that. I mean, there's the waterfalls and the lighthouses and the Upper Peninsula is pretty mountainous. I mean, there's some, you know, very well-known mountain biking trails and running trails up there that uh, people come from all over the world to enjoy. Uh, there's, like I already said, the National Forests. There's some islands that you can get out and, you know, backpack and, or backcountry camp on. There's just so much to enjoy. And that's why it's, you know, it's one of our favorite states. And I think it would be whether we live there or not. Um, and so I always encourage people to come visit us because uh, there is a lot to do. And but even in those um, more urban areas, too, you've got a lot of museums and historical things. 
um, in the Detroit metropolitan area, you've got the Henry Ford Museum and Greenfield Village, which has a lot of our nation's history in it because of the way that they were put together. And so I think we, we always just encourage people to come check it out and, and see what's going on. It's funny you talk about the, the tour buses and, and everything in the big cities, and we don't really have those in Michigan. There's, I don't think there's any reason to necessarily take a tour bus. We might have them. Um, but in Lansing, they actually do have an event called Be a Tourist in Your Own Town. And the few years that we have participated in that, there's things around our small town that I had never knew, knew existed, like a little model railroad building um, and then tours of like the coffee roasting factory and some of those kind of fun things. So there's always something for people to do. They just have to you know, be of the right mindset and get out and do it. So, you know, clearly we have, you know, when you look at the geography and the geology, we have a really diverse state. And I think one of the things I learned doing the state park tour when we hit all 103 is the diversity in the state parks. It, depending on what you like to do in the outdoors, there is a state park that can accommodate, well, obviously, you know, the different types of camping. And sometimes it's just tent can camping. And sometimes they've got, you know, full hookups with 50 amp service. Um, but there's also, if you like boating, if you like fishing, if you like being on the beach, um, we have a couple of state parks where you literally are camping on the beach, um, you know, and there's, there's waterfalls nearby, there's, there's rural areas, there's urban areas. That's what really struck me, I think, when I learned about more about the state parks was there really is a state park for anybody in Michigan, depending on what you like to do. Now, I like that you guys, you know, obviously started with 103 and you've mentioned here that you're trying to do the 50 state capitals. You know, not everyone comes up with kind of a theme and, and there's no reason that you have to or not have to. But what's some advice when you really are picking a goal like this that, you know, that you don't get kind of burnt out? I mean, I, I already heard kind of if you're going to do 103, just don't do them in one year. I probably you guys probably have the same advice for the 50 states. But when you do have these like big goals to hit, you know, certain areas, what's some advice into, you know, not burning out doing that? Because I think it is fun. And I think it's a fun way to kind of monitor your travels. I think part of it is, is think about the, the sort of the reality of your bucket list item. So a lot of people will say, oh, I want to hit all the national parks or I want to visit all 50 states. That's a great bucket list, but it's going to take you some time. Whereas if you just said, hey, you know, I want to visit all of the state parks in my state and not every state has 103, right? We happen to have a lot of state parks in Michigan. Um, I think we have friends in North Carolina that have, what, 36 something, or something yeah. like that. So that's, that's easily doable that you could do that. Or maybe um, in Michigan, for example, we're big on county and municipal parks. So maybe just make a smaller list and say, I'm going to go visit every county park around me just to make sure I've seen it all. And I think what that does is it helps you get a sense of accomplishment. And you can say, hey, I did that. Now I can do something a little bit bigger. Um, and don't set your sights so far out that it's just unobtainable because I think that that scares people a little bit and they don't feel like they can accomplish it. I would piggyback on that too and say, make sure, especially if you're a family with kids, to involve all of your family in those planning decisions. You know, what do the kids want to see? Do they want to visit every major league ballpark? Um, do they want to see, you know, different museums? Are they into zoos? Um, what are the different things that are out there? What are their interests? I mean, some people like to visit all the different battlefields from, you know, Gettysburg and that type of thing. It has to be something that you're interested in or A, you'll get bored really quickly and B, it will just become a chore. So I have some friends that joke about visiting every brewery in the state because they're, you know, big craft brew fans. And so I think it's just 
planning something fun, but making sure it's something that the whole family can experience and that, that everybody gets to, gets to say in what you're doing. You know, I couldn't agree more that if you're looking at it from like, let's say an SEO kind of standpoint where it's like, what isn't someone doing that we could become very popular by doing? I believe you will burn out because you just don't have that underlying kind of passion or love for it. You guys have taken the things that you guys are passionate about, been involved in and made these like two little fun goals. One that's been accomplished 103 out of the 50 state capitals. How many of you guys been able to see so far? Oh, I have no idea, quite honestly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> probably, I mean, yeah, we've probably only seen a handful. And it's it's primarily because it's always on our list. Like as we're traveling somewhere, we're anywhere near a capital. We're like, hey, let's jump off and go see the capital. But we haven't really made that a target necessarily that we will at some point. It's just sort of been, it's been in the back of our mind. So we always jump off and see a state capital if we can. But And we were doing that long before we started in the RV too. So I'd have to actually think about the list of like where we have been when we've done other travels too. It's just something that we've always been interested in. That's cool. I like that too, especially if you have a history of it already. And if you're going part-time or full-time, you can add it to it, which is really fun too. But I think the part about um, focusing on what you really enjoy doing is a big part of it. I mean, obviously, you know, we did the, the state parks and, um, Jesse did a really good job. Every time we visit a state park, she would research the history of it. So we found out so much about Michigan's history, about, you know, the, the auto magnets like, you know, Ford and Dodge and all these people and how they donated land. And, um, ironically, how many lumber barons in northern Michigan preserved some of the original forests rather than cutting them down. And that's why we still have them. Um, I've thought about, you know, there's the, the Great Lakes. They have the lake circle tours that you can do. So you can literally drive around every lake and, and hit all the states around it, that kind of thing. Because we love lighthouses and lakes and beaches, that kind of stuff. I always thought that might be kind of a neat project to do at some point too. So it's really kind of, I think, honing in instead of saying, you know, all 50 states. Well, what is it about visiting the 50 states that you want to see? Maybe it's capitals. Maybe it's a special you know, zoo or something about that state that you want to make sure you hit in each one. I think that helps to, to help you focus. Yeah, and it's funny that you guys mentioned the sticker states that are on the start side of a rig. If for some reason you don't know that people will buy these maps that have a little sticker state and there's a blank area. And if you haven't been to the state, you put a sticker in the state when you go. And people have different rules for what it means. But for me, it just bugs me that Hawaii's there because my rig's <laughs> never going to Hawaii. It's like, an, it's like a goal that'll never happen because my goal is, you know, our thing is you have to spend at least two nights in the state. We've always stayed more than that. But it's one of those things where I'm like, why does that have to be there? It's never going to get accomplished. I can't afford to put this on a cruise ship and, you know, have it go over there. You guys probably actually could if you really, really <laughs> wanted to. You guys could probably put your van on a cargo ship and have it sent over to Hawaii and be there, which is interesting to me. Yeah, we, we actually have um, somebody that we know that has a road trek and they shipped their van to Europe and then drove their van around Europe for six months. But it's funny you say Hawaii because I actually just uh, talked to somebody the other day who they do have Hawaii crossed off or, or circled in on their map and they have a class C and we were joking about it and the answer was both of them had independently been to Hawaii at other parts of their life. They knew they would never take the rig there, but they said, you know what, we've been there, we're going to put it on the list. <laughs> and she goes, it's a good conversation starter. So I thought that was really funny and I'm like, that's a, that's a good point. Um, that's kind of how I feel about some of them. But but we have different rules too. So for us, it's, you don't necessarily have to stay overnight, but you have to have done something relatively touristy or family oriented in the state. For a long time, we had Michigan and we had Florida on our map and we had nothing in between because we'd essentially driven straight through those and didn't spend any time. And so we've slowly checked off and obviously a number of states. Uh, we just got to add Georgia 
finally because we stopped and actually did Savannah and hung out there for a few hours and got ice cream and took some touristy photos. And, and so for us, that was checking it off the list. Um, we are missing Minnesota because we have driven through the state at least three times, but we've never stopped other than a like potty break. And I think that's something to get gas. So we're not really counting that until we actually go and do something in Minnesota. So it, I, I always love hearing what everybody's rules are for putting their sticker on because it's just so fascinating to me like yeah what what people uh, consider as being in the state i agree and i agree there's no like wrong or right rules i think it's funny when people ask sometimes you know what qualifies us putting a sticker on the state it's like you could do whatever you want to if people don't even own uh, an rv and do it with their family flying in the states they could have a sticker state at home if they wanted to there's no right or wrong answer with that which i think is kind of interesting about our lifestyles i think a lot of times people want to have you know the, the bricks and sticks lifestyle has a lot of rules to it in a way this doesn't because everyone's doing it kind of differently which is really cool I just, I, I'm really stoked that I bet people are right now getting online to see how many state parks they have in their state, unless they live in Michigan, they know. I can't tell you how many state parks are in California. It's something I'll have to Google real quick, or even how many state parks, you know, I'm currently in Texas, how many are here? I think just that in itself is really interesting. I think Ari getting down to the, you know, even start small with kind of some of your goals is interesting, because I know I haven't stayed at every city or county park in California when I was, I referred to camping. I didn't do that. I didn't even think of, well, that would be interesting. And also too, I think it helps you from getting stuck in a little bit of a pigeonhole. A lot of us, you know, I'm, there's very few RV parks that I've been back to two or three times. But I know when I lived locally, I kind of camped at the same kind of area over and over and over. And I thought it was tradition, but what I was realizing, I just wasn't exploring so much more than I could have. I think it's a comfort level. It's a comfort level for some people too. Once you know an area, you kind of go back there. And, and like you said, especially for weekenders, if, if you're used to the rules of sticks and bricks, like you're comfortable at home, right? And then you find a place to go on vacation or the weekend, that's where you go because you're comfortable. Now, when we did the state parks, we ran into families that were, you know, third and fourth generation people camping at a state park and their family had always come there. They came there as kids with their grandparents, you know, and their parents, and now they're bringing their kids and they're not necessarily exploring more. They just love that park. It's the family park. Um, but yeah, I, I encourage people to go out and try new things. Now, is there anything that you would give advice doing things differently, what you know now, just even as uh, part-timers or the things that, you know, part-timers need to think about if they're remote, but they're, you know, they're not ready to give up their home, but they definitely want to spend more time traveling. Is there advice in and around making that work? One of the biggest things I think if you're, if you're trying to do remote work, even if you're, you know, part-time sometime, or, or especially if you're full-time, obviously, you have to think about connectivity. So, you know, what's your cell signal going to be like? Where can you get Wi-Fi? Um, you know, that, that has been one of our biggest challenges a little bit is, is we'll, we'll be on a travel day. I'll often drive and Jessica will be working and she'll have to do calls. And I might have a choice of two different routes and I'm going to stay probably more towards the main corridor interstate route because we figure the cell signal is going to be stronger there for the most part. So we kind of make those kind of decisions. But I think people really need to think about now, it's so much better and it gets better every year, right? Where you have a cell signal, how strong it is. But that is still something that when you're trying to get work done, that's a key part of it. I think the other thing to keep in mind too is, you know, what are you passionate about and what do you actually want to do? So I see so many times in the different online forums about people asking for um, what kind of jobs that they can do online and on remote. And there are so many options, but it still kind of comes down to what your skill set is, uh, what you're passionate about. And so there's so many different opportunities. And in our case, 
um, we sort of sort of split the difference here where I have a full time nine to five job. Ari has a consulting gig that he does. And so his is a little bit more flexible that gives us um, sort of those thrive day opportunities. And so that's something for people to consider too, when they're looking at what are their options of whether they can get away for a long weekend or a week, two weeks, a month, six months, whatever it is, making sure that you figure in some of those things. Like when are you going to be able to travel? Is it still going to be on the weekends or is it going to be more on a Tuesday when there's less people out? Kind of just figuring some of those things. I think we said it before is don't wait, just use what you have and get out there, do something because um, I can't tell you the number of times and stories that we've heard from people about loved ones getting sick or job changes unexpectedly, things happening with children. And so you just don't know. And there's never going to be a perfect time for anything. And so just take the opportunity that you have to get out there and explore and, and live a little. Um, we do get stuck in our sticks and bricks ways. And, and we are very much at fault for that ourselves, too. And so while we've both traveled the world and, and gotten to see some really cool things, this is sort of actually kind of forcing our hand to be out there more and, and seeing other people and seeing other things. I would, the other thing, as far as advice, is if you're traveling with someone, um, you know, you have to think about your relationship. And I think that if you're in a small space, and, and we are in one of the smallest spaces you can have because we're in class B, um, you know, everything's going to be amplified. So uh, if if you agree about certain things, that's going to go great. If you disagree about certain things in your sticks and bricks, it's going to be 10 times more intense when you're in a small space. So you just need to be thinking about that and what is your um, relationship? How do you communicate with each other? And, and can you do that well when you're dealing with the stress of not only being in a smaller space, but you know when you are driving your home down the road, if something happens, you know, you're now, your home is now on the side of the road. On our way from Michigan to Florida, we had a tire tread separate. Um, so we were on the side of I-95 with our house, essentially, uh, you know, waiting for somebody to help us with, with that. And so I was sitting there thinking about that as, as we start to travel more and you're exposing the vehicle to more things, you're going to have to deal with that. But at the same time, you know, we both just calmly dealt with it. We called for roadside assistance and we're like, well, if you have to be stuck in a car, at least we have everything with us. So we... We had a bathroom, we had food, we could, you know, get on the computers if we needed to while we were waiting, that kind of thing. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I do believe this lifestyle will expose kind of some weak spots in your relationships. If you have a hard time communicating, uh, backing up a 40-foot rig, ugh, that's going to expose it real quick, <laughs> you know, and you'll learn. So uh, if you're already having a bad time communicating, maybe look at a smaller rig for your first rig just to help you guys out. I think it's a good transition to kind of the, the highs and lows that I like to do on this podcast. I like to start with the lows so we can end with a high. In your trips, what has been kind of like just a, a real low that maybe most people that are thinking about doing this part-time just don't realize will be a low? That's a really good question. Outside of flat tires and crappy internet. Outside of, yeah, car yeah. issues and things. I, you know, for me, I think um, one of the lows can be if you are part-timing or if you're doing weekends, or whatever you're doing, having to move stuff in and out of the rig. So anything you can do to simplify that, whether that's getting duplicate things that stuff can stay in the rig, or you know, I've added little containers that I can use to haul stuff back and forth so it's fewer trips, because that can become a chore. Um, and then that's, you're, not, you're not looking forward to going out then because you have to do the chore of getting the rig ready. So I think you need to be prepared for that kind of thing. So anything you can do to simplify that would make it better. Yeah, I think that's actually really smart. I think looking back at my parents that had a small cabin, they would literally just have to, you know, at the time, grab their phones and their purse because, and then my dad, when my dad grabbed a wallet, obviously, <laughs> but it's basically, they had everything they needed at the cabin. 
they weren't like packing stuff. So it made the transition from week to weekend kind of living so much easier. So I think it is really good advice if you're still in that part time. Now, obviously, I bet there have been a ton of highs. And so this might be hard for you guys too. And this is what I think most people see on Instagram. It's really easy for us to throw out the highs in a photo or an experience. But what's one that you can maybe let people know that you just didn't expect to experience in this lifestyle? There's so many and I can think of it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a step back real quick and say my low and my high are kind of the same in, in one regard. And the low can be being jealous of those Instagram shots when you are stuck in your rig nine to five working a full-time job and looking out the window and watching everybody enjoy the beach around you. Um, and you can't enjoy that beach until five o'clock rolls around and you shut the computer down. The high of that is that you are now at the beach at five o'clock and you can just walk out your door and go swim in the ocean or go for a bike ride or go hike Glacier National Park or whatever it is. And you're not stuck in your stick and sticks and bricks in the middle of a metropolitan city where you can't do that. So I think that that kind of goes hand in hand, but you have to be able to block the world out sometimes and understand that, you know, yes, there's still life happening and it can't be glory shots on Instagram 24, 365 days a year. Um, but the highs are that you do get to be out there and experiencing that. And so, um, as far as an actual high, I don't know. I mean, we've seen some very cool things from hiking mountains in Glacier National Park to meeting friends at RV rallies, driveway camping with relatives in Florida. I don't know, just there's so many things that we've gotten to experience because we've been willing to kind of do this little hybrid life that we're living right now. I'm going to say that you bring up a really valid point that I don't think I've said out loud is looking back at my old life, if I had to leave work, get home on a Friday, throw my paddle boards up on top of my truck, drive to a bay somewhere, unload them, how many times those plans got canceled from the idea to doing it to actually doing it. But in this lifestyle, to your point, there are times where I literally clock out at five and at 501, 503, let's be honest, I can be on the water. And those plans don't get canceled as much. It's really an interesting point that, you know, that we just, you don't think about that. I could see that happening for a lot of people is, is as adventurous as they are. And even if it's just little day trips or evening trips, a lot of them get canceled because life gets in the way. But in this lifestyle, for some reason, you can close your laptop and walk outside and start your adventure immediately. Yep. I've found in just the short time that I've been doing this new remote job that things happen well after five o'clock, client situations arise, phone calls have to happen. And sometimes, you know, you're, you are working at dinner or you're doing other things, but, but you're still in a really cool environment. And so that, that far outweighs anything else that goes on with that. And I think that's what we're really enjoying. And you know, and my, and my coworkers understand that the company I work for is completely virtual. So everybody is spread out around the country doing their own thing. And some people are getting up and, you know, going for a run in the morning or, you know, some of them have kids. So they're still doing that kind of lifestyle. But every one of us is getting to experience something. Now, they're not all remote. I think I'm the only one that's sort of, I mean, they're not all like living on the road like we are. But everybody, because of that remote lifestyle, does have some sort of that flexibility. And so for us, it's getting to be in some really cool places and waking up in the morning and seeing the mountains in your backyard and knowing, well, I have to work all day, but the view is really cool at least. I think, yeah, again, it, you know, it goes back to if employers are listening and you have a remote employee, you know, not really worrying so much about it being a, a nine to five as opposed to it being when my employees can be the most productive. Because to your point, if 
you know, right now it's not raining, but in about two hours, it's going to be pouring based on what the weather map is saying. It'd be a great time for me to go out and walk right now, even though technically this could be during the work hours, but I'm still going to put in the hours after five if I was working for someone and a client reached out. So it's a, it's a good point to understand the flexibility that should come with remote work. And sometimes it doesn't. That's really unfortunate. It really comes with the, where have you been? Why didn't you respond to my email in 30 seconds? A lot of times within management. So it's tough. Well, I think there's a ton here for people. I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm always excited to bring kind of different stories onto the show and people that are living this life differently, you know, and I think it's really cool that there isn't a right way to do it. There isn't, I mean, there probably are some wrong ways to do it, but there's definitely not like some sort of perfect right way. It's really what's perfect and right for you. I can bet people that want to start doing it part-timing or kind of understand it, love to get a hold of you guys. And I'll link all this below, but where can people find you and find your adventures and ask you questions if they need to? Yeah, our website is trekkers.org. That's with one K. Um, and then Trekkers Org is all of our social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, and yeah, people should feel free to reach out. And, and we have our YouTube channel, which is Trekkers. And one of the great things that I found about doing the State Parks Project is, is people have been writing to us and sending comments in about the videos saying they didn't know about a park and they were going to go check it out. Or uh, we've heard from people that we've encouraged them to go out and try some camping and, and see some of these cool places. So for me, that's been really rewarding for the, doing that project and, and seeing people get something out of it and maybe take that trip that they weren't going to do. So that's been pretty exciting. Yeah, I think if people are living this lifestyle and you're creating content, you're going to find that to be amazing. That even if you're just documenting it for yourself, but you're putting it out there publicly, that it will inspire someone. Your story is going to match up to someone else. Your adventures are going to match up to what other people want to do that didn't know they can do. And I think it's really important. I'm, I'm always a big proponent for put out your story. You know, don't worry about subs and views and all that kind of stuff. Because once you get one of those messages where it's like, I've lived here my entire life, I did not know this was here, or I didn't think I could do this because all I had was a van. You, you change someone's life just because you put out the story that they can see and relate to. I think it's really important. I was say, don't be afraid to, to create your own story too, whether you don't have to document it on YouTube, right? Just go out there and make it. One of the things you may run into is you start to think about this lifestyle, whether it's part-time or full-time. Some people just don't get it, whether it's an employer or it can be family members, it can be friends. They don't understand it. It's not something they would do. That's fine, but don't let them stop. Like don't, don't hesitate and say, maybe I shouldn't do this because nobody understands why I'm doing it. If you have a passion to do it, go do it and, and make it your story. And I think that we've heard from so many friends of ours who I didn't even know were following our channel or following our adventures and randomly we'll have somebody reach out and be like, oh my gosh, I just love seeing your video on such and such. Or I hope that now that you're done with the state parks, you're going to keep doing these because we just love seeing your travels. And these were people that either I hadn't talked to in years or I just didn't think they were interested, but they are clearly enjoying what we're doing. And so it's not that I feel like an obligation to keep doing it, but but we are trying to figure out like what's next for us too in terms of our YouTube channel because you know we weren't necessarily documenting our everyday lives like many of the people you see on YouTube are doing. Um, so we're trying to figure out what does that mean for us? Like what are people interested in? Can we show them more history? Can we show them more parks? But but it is it's getting those comments and and hearing from people and and knowing that you are doing something good and you are making a difference and impacting them. I agree. All right, you guys, thank you so much, Ari and Jesse, for hanging out with me today and telling me your story. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we appreciate uh, having you on. We appreciate everything you're doing with Rootless Living and the magazine, the podcast. It's, it's been great, and, and I hope it continues and you can keep showing the, 
you know, this, this lifestyle to people so they get a handle on it. I appreciate that. All right, you guys, take care. Have a good one. Well, another fun episode. I truly hope you're encouraged to think about adding the ability to go part-time or sometime in and around being a digital nomad, but mostly just to start now with whatever you have, whatever your means are, and think about just exploring your own home state and getting used to this lifestyle. Now, before you hit stop, can you do me a favor and share this podcast on your favorite social media channel? I don't even care if it's TikTok. Just share it, please. It's a big help for us. You can tag us and then you can also use the hashtag rootless living and we'll kind of find you and you can share the magazine too if you're reading it go ahead and throw out the cover do whatever you want take a picture of you reading the magazine out in the middle of nowhere and again make sure to use the hashtag rootless living now also if you think you know someone that would make a good guest on this show or that guest might even be you please send me an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can tell your story until next week stay rootless